Hello everyone, thank you so much for downloading this episode of Bees Pod. We hope that you are all safe and well. My name is Ian and on today's pod I'm delighted to be joined as ever by Nem and also by Trevor Nell as we look back over the latest games of Tim Flowers' reign at the Bees. It's been a pretty bleak few months for Barnet and it does look like the upcoming months aren't going to be too much better. We look back over previous games, discuss players, tactics and formations and most importantly think and discuss the future for the club that we all love so much. We really hope you enjoy this show. Let us know what you think and we really hope we can also see you at a game very soon. Take care. Hello everyone and uh, welcome to another episode of Bees Pod. Um, I've decided to break things up a little bit this week uh, and instead of the lovely Mem being on his own, we've got a very special guest with us. Uh, but first of all, I couldn't get away from him. The man who thinks we finish every seventh every single season, even he must be doubting that this year. Mem, how are you doing today? Yes, not far off till the kids go back at school. Can't wait. Yeah, well, we've been watching plenty of children play in the last few weeks, so it's been quite a rough ride for the bees. And um, we're also delighted to be joined uh, by none other than uh, Barnett's own laureate, um, who's written thousands of words. Um, it's almost a tragic comedy this season. Um, and we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Trevor. How are you doing today, Trevor? Gents, thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. No, it's, it's great to have you. And we're really excited to, uh, to get into the nuts and bolts of what's been a, a fairly difficult few weeks. And <laughs> I, said, I said to someone the other day, once you've watched one Barnet game this season, it's like watching all of them. So there's not really a huge amount of stuff to report on. And actually the first question we got from Sam, who's been on this show a few times when we said we were doing a podcast was why, what's changed? Um, I mean, let's start with you, Mem. What, what have you noticed in the last few weeks um, that's changed, what's got worse? And, and, you know, bluntly speaking, why are we so bad? So what's got, so what's, changed i don't think anything has changed we lose every single week virtually um apart from one little outlier in the middle but generally still getting spanked still can't seem to clear a corner or free kick um it is groundhog day every single game so i can't put my finger oh i can't put my finger on it and there's plenty of stuff and i'm sure we'll go into it a bit more but yeah generally we are awful probably the worst Probably the worst team I've seen in a lot, well, forever. It's just awful. I've seen Sunday League teams play better than this. Uh, Trevor, what about you? I mean, this is the first time we've had you on to really talk about Tim Flowers' stuff. What, what have you sort of noticed, particularly since the sort of Dover game on the pitch, things that you're seeing that aren't, aren't quite working? There's quite a lot. Well, it's, it's funny you should say sort of like not a lot has changed. I Literally, the, the blog I put together to go up this evening as we record, I've literally put like a copy and paste every single game at the moment because it's the same same stuff going on um what's changed well we've got more players more players in um sort of akin to the sort of size squad we have before martin allen comes in and chops it down to exactly what's needed um on the pitch it really doesn't look any different if anything um looks as if we're going forwards a little bit against halifax and then the last three games we look as if we've just gone backwards again I mean, Mem, I mean, we, we've seen on the one hand, the level of performance has not changed, but, but Flowers has, has tried to change things in terms of personnel. So he's brought in players. He's also played around a little bit with formations and also moving players like McQueen into midfield and, and trying to sort of look at little partnerships here and there. What, what, what do you think is in his head right now? <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't a lag. <laughs> The um, well, I was having to think about it because I'm, I'm just I'm trying to draw on my time as a coach, and and I remember coaching a team which was all te- you know what I saw in training was not what was getting put out on the pit on the on the pitch, and you get to the point where you keep tinkering, you keep tinkering, you keep trying this, and ultimately you're like, what more could I possibly do? And Last night I was, there was the emotion was there and I was just, you know, very like really kind of negative. Everybody's crap. What's he doing? What's flowers doing? And then I sat on it and thought about, thought about this morning. I thought, okay, well, what would I do? And the, you know, I'm not by no means a, you know, an UEFA coach or anything like that, but you know, how would I try and solve this situation? And it probably would be along the lines of trying to stay compact. It would be trying to stay in games. Um, trying to be organized from free kicks um 
they're the things I can uh, that I can you know try and make us better make make us better. But then I look at it and I think, right, so he's had all these all these weeks to do that, and still players are not winning the first header or contact as he calls it. They're still not winning the first header, and when the ball when they lose the first header, they don't win the second. The second ball is not dropping to them. One thing we we seem to have improved upon, and and, and it's a small it's a small improvement that I'm seeing in comparison, is that teams are not just running straight through the center of us and scoring. But I mean, admittedly, the fourth goal was like that last night. But we are actually from the center of the pitch, we are looking a little more solid. But the problem is, as soon as the ball comes from the outside and is whipped in, or as soon as a corner comes in, any ball that comes in the box, and it's it's, it's ending up in a goal. So. At that point, as a coach, you're looking at it and you're saying, I'm literally doing this all the time. How the hell is none of them still able to, to get ahead on a, on a corner or get ahead on a free kick and clear it? And I can imagine in his head, he's kind of, he's, he's probably despairing. I, and I, this part of me feels a bit sorry for him. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it's difficult, diff, difficult to, to, you know, I'm sure he is behind closed doors. He's probably throwing stuff around the place. Going, what, what, can I poss- what more can I possibly do? Trevor, so, what, are your, what are your thoughts on, on what you've seen on the pitch in terms of what try, Plows is trying to do? And have you noticed any, any patterns or anything at all that you, you think that, that's changed, certainly from the Beadle days? I think, as Mem said as well, um, you know, a lot of it is not coming through the middle of the pitch. We're, I wouldn't say we're, we're solid through there, but we're not giving up the ball quite so easily. But you get a ball down the line um, and it looks as if every team's worked out. All you've got to do is get it wide. And you can get a yard on 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 whoever's playing fullback for us. You whip the ball into the box, and again, nine times out of ten, as Mem, Mem said, it ends up in a goal. I think, I think under Beadle, there were flashes you could say that 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 didn't happen every single game and every single ball that goes into the box. I think from minute one last night, as soon as they Yeovil drove forward, um, and Lochi tipped that ball around the post, and we didn't even have a minute on the clock. He just thought. Christ, it's just going to be onslaught after onslaught. And that's exactly what came. But again, it wasn't through the middle of the park. It was down the wings. And I think teams have worked out that that's the easiest way to beat us. Um, I spoke to, when I spoke to Strebs beginning of the season after we got hammered by them in the second half, um, he said literally 45 minutes, they've worked out exactly how to beat us um, by half time. worked on that in the interval, came back out, put four past us. So it seems to be that easy to get around us and has been since day one. It's interesting you say that because one of the things I quite like doing is, um, you know, I, I do enjoy a bit of flowers bingo like everyone else, but I also <laughs> like looking at the opposition managers and seeing what they say. And um, again, with Darren Sol last night, you know, in his comments, just reading between the lines, he's like, look, we started really well. The players were targeting the areas we wanted them to target. It's very, very clear to me that we've just got serious, serious weaknesses um, and if, you know, he, he is right to an extent, Flowers, if your weakness is a set piece at this level of football, I mean, any level of football, particularly at this level, it's a real problem. And it's just so deflating, you know, though, considering those two set piece goals within the first 10 minutes, it, it absolutely kills you. Mem, I think one of the things that, that people are interested in is like, you know, you, you can talk about individual player quality, you can talk about organisation, you can talk about desire. But it's been quite a while since we've routinely been so soft at set pieces and restarts as Flowers calls them. What, what do you think it is? Because if I'm being honest, as bad as some of the players are, and I do, you know, they're bad, they're not this bad. And, and what, what do you think is, is causing us just to ship goals at set pieces um, and indeed ship goals in patterns of sort of two or three within 10 minutes rather than conceding a goal and then reestablish ourselves in the game? I was thinking. I was thinking about this because, well, anybody who's ever listened, ever spoke, chats with me about this. One of the worst, one of the things I hate, is this the tired cliche of people saying that the team lacks passion. Okay, because I think that's a catch-all for when you don't understand what's going wrong. But I think I'm not going to use the word passion. I think the key to it is is that a lot of the attempts to get to a ball or get attempts to get to crosses or get to is very lackluster and i don't know i do have we basically in trying to in trying to save money in trying to wait you know almost playing that sort of last ditch kind of you know take it or leave it kind of job with with players that are out of contract have we just literally just recruited a bunch of players who are broken because you know they are 
you know, they've, they're coming down the leagues and their career is, you know, is careering, you know, pun not intended, um, you know, and, and then they're basically, they're just broken, broken players with, with no desire and no, you know, no real, you know, just downtrodden. I don't know. That's that, the only thing I can think of in my head is I look at that and I look at some of the, the way, you know, the attempts to go up, to get a go up and go up and win a header. You, you really need to want to go and put your head on, you know, put your body on the line to go and clear a ball, get through a body of players or get, get to that ball and really, really want to clear that ball. And I don't see that desire to go and win that ball. And then the desire to go and win the second ball. Is it the profile of players that we've seen to have picked up that we have a bunch of players that are just don't care anymore or kind of almost, they've almost fallen out of love with the game and, and they're on their way down and Barnett's just another pay, you know, a pay packet. Um, do we need to be looking at the kind of players that we recruit and the players that are on their way up? And, you know, like a, you know, I know Josh Walker's not been around, but a Josh Walker that has got a hunger to go up the leagues. Even Jack Barham had the hunger to go up the leagues. He didn't, I don't think he was good enough for this level, but that kind of player rather than players that are just struggling for a contract. And it's kind of almost like they're, they're going through the motions now. That Trevor, is what I wonder. Trevor, in your, in your blog, you've, you've always been very insightful and quite cautious about not, hammering the desire aspect of it and trying to look at the bigger picture what what, what is your thoughts though do, do, do you do you question that do you think it's a matter of belief and confidence as much as desire or do you feel that actually it's the technical quality or the organization definitely a bit of the of the uh, technical quality i don't think it's quite there this year i think where we left it so late in pre-season we weren't shopping at the level that we should have been um whether that's down to to, to budget or not i don't know i don't believe it is because from from what i've been made aware our budget is not as bad as as what was made out it was mid-table for this season that's really where we should be aiming at um i think we've got three-way divide between the players that darren had last year that were left who played a certain way you've got the players that then beadle brought in and now you've got the players that tim's Bought in. So you've now got three sets of players you're trying to integrate into one style of play and those three sets of players just can't gel mix together. There's the mixed messages across the pitch. Um, you've got you know, a lot of people have been slating James Dunn and, and Harry Taylor. Um, I, neither of those two players for me fit into what Tim wants to do. Um, Darren brought Dunny in as a, as a midfielder that just shielded the, the, the back four. Um, Harry's got a role in alongside him as he had last year which you can see just in the highlights before the Yeovil game of last year's game. But Tim wants box-to-box midfielders. Neither of those two players are that. So you're trying to fit almost, you know, square, square pegs in round holes when it comes to those two. So trying to, trying to gel the three, I just don't think is working. And the message just isn't getting across from training to when they get to the match day pitch to try and put some kind of performance in. I also think um, there's a couple of other things I'd add on to that as well, because I agree with you. I think you're spot on, Trevor. So we've got a, a bunch of players that have come together in a sort of, you know, it's a bit like you take everything in the kitchen and throw it together. It's how I cook yeah. every night. And sometimes it's it's, it's <laughs> good, but nine times out of 10, it's terrible. And um, I think with, with these lot in particular, it's the fact that the games are coming so thick and fast. You, you almost It's almost like we're punch drunk. Like we're going from one game to the other. We don't have time to get out of our system. I think to be fair to Flowers, there's probably a limited amount of work you can do on the training grounds because you're looking at not just like recovery between game days, but also recovery and training loads over a long period of like playing two games a week. I also think there's a point which is not not unimportant, which is that the opportunities to sort of socialise and grow together as a bunch of players in pre-season are very different this year. You know, you can't go away. You can't go out for a drink after the game. You can't, you know, there's a lot of that sort of social distancing stuff that makes it difficult it just adds another layer of difficulty for some of these guys to get to know each other. And I think it's just really sad. I think that's how I feel watching Barnett now is it's just a bit sad. Like it's not, you know, players like Dunn and Harry Taylor. I think Dunn, I, I do feel a little bit more critical of because I think he's the captain and I think he needs to take a little bit more responsibility on the pitch for, for what's going on. But, um, you know, players like Taylor and, and Mason Clark and et cetera, are not, you know, they're not bad footballers that, you know, a couple of years ago, um, they were up there with some of the best players we had when we were, you know, mid-table league two. And um, I mean, man, Flowers has had a, a few, a few kind of um, months or a month or so now to bring in a couple of players. Do you feel that, you know, there's a kind of question that seems to be brewing now amongst the fans as to whether or not the, the direction of, of travel under Flowers is the right way to go? You know, we'll, we'll get onto the sort of long-term stuff in a moment, but do you feel that 
you know, the players we're getting at the moment, are they the players that Flowers wants? Are they what's left in the sort of scraps? You know, do you, are you seeing anything at all that should make you think we need to carry on in this in this direction? Um, or is it just a case of throwing stuff at the, at the wall until we see what sticks? I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm generally at loss for... I, I know how I would deal with it, but the problem is, is that I think in Tim Flowers' head, and I made somebody else made this really good point, and I, I, I wish I could credit them because I can't remember who, who made the point on Twitter earlier, that Tim Flowers says in head, this is a really, like almost like a brutal physical division. Um, and, but I've seen teams play their way out of this, this division. Um, and I kind of feel that it's really hard to track the progress of a team, which is just lumping the ball forward and working out how in incre- incrementally, how you're going to improve different sections, because at the moment there is such a huge disc, the, the style of football, for, for instance, isn't helping us. I don't think because there's two things. There's, there's, there's several things, but I think one of the main issues is that, is that flowers wants to play on the front foot. Okay. In a team that is currently, you know, on the back foot, because like you said, for all the reasons, demoralized lack of confidence, um, and he's playing a four-three-three. The problem with uh, the positive of playing a four-three-three is if you're pinning a team back, you've got three players occupying the forward lines. You've got three players as options forward. The problem is, is that when you are not keeping the ball very well, and the balls, you have suddenly got a gaping hole between your left-sided uh, forward and your left back. Massive gap between them. And then what you have, what you are expecting, is your midfield three to shuffle across to go and protect the fullback. And our, our midfield three isn't the most mobile midfield three in the, uh, you know, around. And they are struggling to go out and get out there to the wide areas to kind of help the fullback. So we always have situations where our fullbacks are overloaded quite regularly. And, and he's consistently played the, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to want to play a 4-4-2, but it's always a 4-3-3. But the problem is, is that we don't have anything, anybody in that forward line that can get the ball to stick. Um, and although JJ Hooper scored the odd goal, the ball's not sticking, which means there's no pressure coming off. So, and I spoke to a coach last night about this, and we were talking about the fact that Barnet are consistently in transition, consistently in transition. There's there's no point where we actually we're actually keeping the ball and actually having some sort of territorial advantage, and that doesn't help because it means that the ball is constantly coming back, the ball is constantly being turned over, and. At no point does any player get any chance to have a, almost like a rest in possession. Um, so I wonder, is if Flowers needs to look at it and think to himself, okay, until I can get a whole team in my in my image, is this the right football to be playing with this group of players? Or sh- do I need to find some sort of hybrid system that is going to allow me to kid it long sometimes, but at the same time, we need to be able to rest in possession. Um, and... I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that is in his mindset. When you look at the, his some of his mentors, or people like Ad Boothroyd, you know these aren't guys who are you know possession based managers. You know, so to me, it, it's a combination. He might have to look at his methods and think to himself, okay, you know what? I don't have the players to play the system. Trevor, what what are your thoughts on the on the football you've seen? You know, you were sort of shaking your head there a little bit when we were saying about the flowers. You seeing any sort of positives or progression with flowers? I mean, do you feel that? you know, he's got to change what he's doing with this squad. Do you think long time it's the right way to go? Because it's a big change from what we had under Darren last year. I think what Mem says, right, he's got to have a look at what he's got personnel-wise and think of changing it around a little bit. It's not going to, the players he's got are not going to stick um, with the ball up front. Um, If, you know, if you want to get two wide players in as well, then I don't think you can use another striker down the right-hand side like he keeps trying to to do. Um, Try something different. I think maybe... Watching his um, post-match comments last night sort of made me think that he's maybe got to the point now where he thought, I can't do any more with the formation I've got with the players. I've got it's not going to fit. Do I need to try something different? I've got seven days now before my next game. You know, do we look at going, you know, somewhere slightly, you know, slightly different with it? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think in the... What makes me a little bit frustrated sometimes with his interviews is that when things are not going well there's a tendency to say, well, they're not going well because we're not doing plan A well enough. Um, you know, we just need to do plan A better and then things will fix. And I think this is always the danger as well of appointing someone who, um, who's, who's had success really only at one football club because they don't know any different. And so if you look at, you know, Boothroyd's actually a really good example, man, because, you know, back in the sort of 2006, 
season or so with Watford, you know, mm. AD Hoofroyd, right? They'd mash it up the park and they'd, you know, they made it to the Premier League and then they bounced down and he could sort of bounce around the leagues a little bit, um, similar to sort of Ian Holloway. And then he completely changed his philosophy. And I think now um, Boothroyd's the under-19s England manager or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's completely, he's become very flexible about how he goes about getting his results. And I, I do worry sometimes that Flowers in his interviews is not particularly flexible about, well, what is it we've got in front of us? Sure, we can play a front foot style of football, but let's try and get some sort of performance and confidence back into the side. And we'll go to Trev first on this one. I mean, this is this is one that, you know, is an inevitable question when someone loses essentially nine out of 10 games or whatever it is now. Do you, you know, we've changed a lot of managers in the last 10 years and it is almost absurd I'm even asking this question, but it is the number one question we've been asked. Do you feel that there's sort of merit in in sticking with Flowers um, through this period and, and going forwards? Or, you know, are you not seeing enough to justify that? And is there better options out there? You know, almost taking the money aside on a footballing level only, do you think that we should stick with Tim? If we were sure that the North and South were going to completely null and void and potentially not have a hybrid league, I would say yes, give him the chance to get through this season and then see what we build in the summer. When he came in, I knew what type of football he was going to be played. Um, and it's, and it's, it's exactly as it is. It's not, it's not as pretty as we liked what we saw under, under Darren. It's a completely different, but it's a completely different set of players, completely different set of uh, mindset and philosophy. Um, I think if you if you go down the route of getting rid of him now, you've then got whatever it is. We've probably still got another nearly twenty games to play. But again, we go back in this cycle that Barnet always do, and we don't end up with any progression, with any long longevity of anything. Um, I think I've you know as bad as the football is, and as 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 grim as each performance is, we're waiting and hoping that we don't get stuffed before we kick off. I think you, you've just got to ride with it and hope that just something out of somewhere, it changes. It, it did for Yeovil earlier in the season. They were worse than us. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one thing to look at. A couple of Yeovil fans, you know, popped that up on Twitter last night. You know, we were awful five months ago. They're now sitting three points off the playoffs. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying we can manage that, Mem, but, you know. <laughs> You've you got to be careful on this podcast. Trevor. I know. That's dangerous <laughs> talk with Mem in the house. We'll be talking about the title charge next. Um <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I'll come to you in a moment. Though. I think what's what's really interesting is um, it, when things are just so negative, it's very easy to lose perspective on on what's actually happening on the pitch. And it's similar similar to an extent of, with the Halifax game, which was a real positive. But mm. the goals that came in that game were like anomalies. Like you had an unbelievable strike from Wordsworth, which yeah. is a fantastic strike. He's a great player. You know, it's it's a one in fifty goal, right? And then you had a, a, obviously an error to let in, I think it was Petrasso for the first, right? Was it Petrasso for the first against Halifax? Or was it Hooper? Oh, Hooper, wasn't it? Hooper, Hooper yeah. was it? I couldn't remember. It, yeah, I think it was, was it? Okay, I can't remember. And then he got, he got fumbled, didn't it? Was that the one that he oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. And then Hooper, I think, was the one yeah, against yeah, Aldrin yeah, yeah, when, when they made a mistake. Yeah. That's so right, yeah. The, the, the worrying thing is, like, if you look back across the past few games, it's just that there's just so little goal threat um, going forwards and you do sort of you know if Flowers comes in and says that we're, you know we're, we're, we're scoring two a game we're conceding four a game you know let's take care of the conceding the four and then we'll worry about the scoring later that's great I think he's taken that approach but we haven't fixed the scoring and we're still conceding the same amount so it's it's the worst of both worlds and then what about you you've always been quite circumspect on on, on sort of sackings and stuff like that what are your thoughts on on sort of Tim Flowers going forwards well Regard hybrid league or no hybrid league, we're 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 going down. Uh, sorry, we're going down. We're going to finish in the bottom in the bottom three. Whatever happens, okay. I don't think even if we change manager, we're going to come out of this. It's the same group of players. Um, I can't. I can't. We we can't suddenly go from was it winning three games or four games all season to suddenly we're having to, winning you know another eight or nine or ten or something with this group of players. It's not going to happen. So I think whatever happens, we're not coming out of the bottom three. Whether we get relegated or not depends on what happens with the, you know, with the league. So what I would suggest is rather than just chop another manager, another manager is going to come in and say, I need some players. Uh, and then we end up with a squad of 500 players. Um, and uh, we're pretty close to that at the moment, I think. Um, I think the best option is to give him the whole the rest of the season and essentially be like, right, you show us that you deserve to have the summer and next season uh, to, you know, to flowers and say, we want to see some progress. You know, I, I, I don't think, you know, 
I know that that there's been a couple of um, players that have come in that that Flowers has been frustrated and that he's not seeing um, who the club of you know who he lined up. But there's a lot of players in that squad with a lot of league experience, and we don't seem to be making any progress. So I kind of feel like that, that sort of this is a kind of almost like a you know uh, a test for Flowers. See what you can do till the end of the season. Do you deserve to? Do you deserve to start next season? Simple, really. I think, yeah. I think, you know, whenever Barnet are in a bad run of form, there's the you know people who always go back to Allen and stuff. I think now, perhaps slightly less so, insofar as we we recognise that there are just bigger structural things the club needs to fix, and we'll come on to those a little bit later on. But one of the things I'd be really interested in, and it's great to have you on, um, Trevor, to sort of maybe help us understand this a little bit better is that there's been a lot of information and misinformation and it seems like Oli Bayliss is the is the main guy to go to on Twitter in terms of updates. But could you just sort of talk us through from, you know, if you, if you wouldn't mind from the sort of, even just before the season started, the situation that was made clear to clubs around financing and just sort of take us through how we've ended up in this position in terms of the, the conference North and South, what's going on there. And then also like, obviously it's difficult, but to kind of give your thoughts on what might be the likely outcome or indeed a range of outcomes um, over the next few months in terms of, of null and void? Well, originally the clubs were looking for funding um, right at the beginning of the season to be able to kick off. Obviously, no fans in, stad- in stadiums was pulled literally two weeks before we were due to start as the National League and we would have been the first to you know, start a competition with fans in the stadium. So they were all expecting um, funding to run from the beginning of the season right the way through to the end. From what I understand, either the DCMS or the National League have misled the clubs in what was what was said. No one kept any minutes, which for you know an, an organisation as big as what the National League is um, is quite astounding. Having been on league committees and um, you know running a uh, you know running a Step Five club myself as well, you know that's the first thing you do you know with a meeting is it's recorded down what what's what's said and what people have, have been doing. So the funding looked as if it was going to run until the end of uh, December. Um, they then, rather than uh, possibly, in my opinion, should have had a mid-season break in, um, in, in December when the cases were, were rising, they then could have gone, chaps, by the way, we believe we're not going to be funded from January, but we've now got four weeks to look into some scenarios. It got to the end of uh, December, everyone played on, then all of a sudden hang on, where's my funding for the next three months? Um, it's not coming. So we, we then went through January, we went through most of February with obviously the National League North and South clubs in a worse state than everyone else because they're in need of funding a little bit more, I'd say, than the National League clubs. Um, and quite rightly, a lot of them said, look, we can't carry on. We're not going to be here if we don't have funding. And you know, for next season, you want 66 clubs, they're ready to kick off again in August, September or October, whenever we do it. Um, the the offer of the loans from Sport England went against the league rules, but the league were not insisting, but saying you can go and do it. And then clubs were then going back against that and saying, well, your league rules say we can't. So we can't trade insolvent. We're then in a position where we can't play. Our only option is to furlough our players and in some cases, as in Tunbridge and Maidstone, who picked up players from step three, four, five, just to fill gaps. Bill Ricky filled their under 23s and under 18s just so they could keep playing. Um, and then obviously we get to the point of the whole season's suspended for them. Then we came back for two weeks for the vote. It's null and voided, despite there being a good number of clubs that still want to play on and still do now. And now... Here we are at the beginning of March where the National League North and South have hardly played for the last month and there is a potential that they could be restarting in the next couple of weeks. How, how, how likely do you feel, Trevor, that, that that's, that's going to happen? And I mean, I've seen a lot. I think one of the things that's always interesting in non-league is you have a lot of really loud voices. Um, so I know the Dorking chairman slash owner, you know, is a sort of um, you know, very heavily involved in the club he's one of the loud voices championing to play on. I mean, let's just perhaps explore maybe two scenarios. If you could give us maybe a, a score out of yep. 10. So 10 being certain, one being about as likely as Barnett winning a game of football again. And um, so on a scale of one to 10, A, first of all, how likely is it that um, a mini league 
on the north and south combined, whatever that looks like. How likely is it that those that, that there's some football played at that level again this season? Do you think? On what I know at the moment, today as we record, I would say possibly six, seven out of ten. Within forty-eight hours, we could be saying maybe seven, eight, maybe nine out of ten. And then the second question from that is how likely is it that um, let's assume for a moment that Dover and Macclesfield's places are gone. How likely is it that the you know if we stay if if, if if we stay in the current level which is 22nd how likely is it that we would be relegated do you think it's like they have two relegation spaces or three or four what, what are your thoughts on that that's going to depend on how many clubs want to play 18 definitely want to carry on um i know they're in need of i think it is three clubs to now switch around the other way and agree to play on which i think would then give them 21 then it's how many the national league or the fa would then say right you've got this many teams playing this is how many promotion places you've got and obviously relegation will match it up. So potentially if we finish third from bottom, we might well be okay. But from where we are, um, I would say we'd be nailed on to be going down. Yeah, it's 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 not a it's not a great thought, is it? I mean it's we're not in a great we're not in a great position, is essentially what you're saying. Yeah, 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 basically. Um, okay, well, thanks so much, Fletcher. That's really useful. We're gonna we're gonna take a brief break now, and then we're gonna come back for the the final sort of fifteen minutes or so and have a look um, at some longer term things around the club. Um, so yeah, we'll take a little break now. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. And um, and in the sort of second part of the show, we're gonna look at two things. We're gonna get on to some of the fantastic questions we've had uh, in. We've had, I think, more than ever. So uh, thank you for that. Um, and we're also going to have a, a kind of a bit more of a discussion around some other things around the club, um, particularly, uh, you know, the sort of the chairman's role within it and, and how that's going to look going forwards. Um, it's kind of been quite a common theme of discussion for us, men, but it does feel that this season, with everything coming together, you know, the COVID, the lack of fans, the, you know, two managers a season, the awful performances on the pitch, combined with, you know, and I think Adam and and uh, I think it's Kieran are brilliant guys, just difficult to get a lot of kind of really solid communication out of the club at times from at least the chairman and, and some of the players. It does feel that this season, more fans are at sort of a breaking point than ever. Um, and I wanted to get your sense of, of what you think might be going through TK's mind at the moment. And, you know, if he were to sort of press a mag- magic button um, and go back to, you know, August 2020, what might he have done differently? And do you think he would have done anything differently? Who's that question for, mate? Sorry, that's for, that's for you, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine at the moment he must be despairing. He's like, uh, you know, in his head, he's obviously spending money. He's, he keeps bringing players in. He's got a manager who, um, you know, who is quite forthright you know, in his, in his approach. And he's suddenly found himself with a squad of God knows how many players. Uh, do we know how many players we've got in our squad at the moment? It changes daily. 34, I think it is. So we've got a squad of 34 <laughs> after literally clearing the decks in the summer. Incredible. It's, it's amazing. Though we had seven players, didn't we, left over? Was it seven? Seven, uh, yeah. about that, yeah. Seven, and now we're at 34. I mean, they're just... It's... It, <laughs> We like broken records, aren't we, on this podcast? We've said this millions of times. Get get everything sorted out properly at the beginning and you're not having to keep bringing players in. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. He must be despairing. He must be looking at thinking this, this season's costing more and more money and he's, he's, and he's, have, but he's having to back Flowers because he knows that he can't, um, he can't not back him. Because um, I, don't, I don't think he wants to go out and have to interview a bunch of managers again. Um, and then start this whole process of then having to support that manager and then find themselves with a whole bunch of players that, you know, are nowhere near the squad. Um, it is the most frustrating aspect of being a bar for supporter is seeing this happen all the time, you know, cutting everything to the bone, starting from scratch, useless manager coming in. And then, and then having to start all over again through the season. It's just, it is, it is Groundhog Day, as I said before. So, Trevor, uh, one of the one of the things that we we've, we've always been a bit concerned about um, is is the fact that obviously you can have bad seasons, and every club at our level goes up and down. And if you look at most clubs at League Two or League, you know, League One or you know, Conference, they, they sort of bounce around over a 15, 20 year period, but generally stay the same. And this might be a low point for us. 
one of the things that's interesting is that we've gone from a club that had a lot of stability. You know, we used to pride ourselves on never sacking managers. That was actually a thing that we never really did up until almost the end of the Fairclough reign um, to one where it's kind of a bit helter skelter. And, and, you know, similar to the sort of player care stuff as well, to an extent, do you feel that this potentially has a little bit of a knock on, on how people see Barnett? Does it, does it kind of make us look a little bit amateur and, you know, make players or, or managers think twice about about coming across? Are you a bit concerned that this season isn't just about one bad year? Do you think it's kind of symptomatic of a lot of other things? Or are you kind of like, you know what, this is a, a terrible year in a terrible context and we'll, we'll, whatever happens, we'll move on in, in the summer? I think, the, I think this year's put the icing on the cake. We've had plenty of years where we could have attracted good managers. Um, I know through speaking to other people where managers have not been prepared to risk their reputation um, to, to come to Barnet. Um, some really good names as well, which have gone on to, to, to manage League One, League Two clubs without any shadow of a doubt. Um, I think if he turns the clock back nine months to June, I would hope he would think I'd have done this differently. Um, the the fact where we took so long for him to have the meeting with Darren, them to not agree it's the way forward to part their ways has just sort of led a domino effect all the way through with a late appointment of Peter Beadle, of then players coming in not having time to gel. Then we're, you know, starting the season weeks behind everybody else. And we end up now with Tim Flowers in and we're still not any further. The domino is just keeping going. And at some point, it's um it's got stopped, but it might stop in the National League South instead. Yeah, that's that's one of the questions that's popped up quite a bit. I mean, one of the things that's interesting is obviously we moved to the hive, and I think you know, Mem and I are probably on a similar page in in, in seeing the benefits of that, obviously the, the downside, but seeing certainly the benefits of that in terms of the club moving forwards. We haven't matched that professionalism around the club or around the whatever it is, that aspect of the club with, with stuff on the pitch or indeed on the playing side. And the other thing is, it, it is, you know, we do deserve to be playing national South football next year, whether we like it or not. And um, it is a bit surreal, you know, turning up to the hive. It, you know, Underhill seems far more suited to that, that level of football than the hive. I mean, Mem, do you, do you feel that this season has seen a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a fracturing between the club and the fans on a, on a deeper level than just another crap season and another bunch of bad results and bad players? Or do you feel that people are just overreacting and, and getting emotional because we're terrible and, and it's not fun at the moment? I don't think anybody's overreacting. A club that has won this division three times, okay, and in my lifetime has never been it had never been below the conference or the National League, should not be like, you know, with a goal difference of minus what, 35, is it, or something like that? And 39. 39, okay, and having and getting regularly spanked for four and fives. Okay, that is just unacceptable and especially as, as as trevor said we've got like essentially a mid-table budget that is complete and we're a pro team with a we you know with with a uh facilities which are you know uh other clubs would be would be would be jealous of how you know, are jealous of the of these um facilities that we've got so there's no way that any of the fans are overreacting um i think what's happened is the club the player the, the people who were already slightly feeling disconnected are even are, are kind of almost essentially saying to everybody else, um, "Told you so," and the ones who who were prepared to back the chairman or or prepared to be essentially not try and be not try and be negative about the move are kind of wavering now. And I think a lot of people have gone past the point of wavering, and they're sort of in the position where they're they're sort of saying something deep and really deep within the club has to change. And a lot of people uh, have been calling for the chairman's head before when we moved. But I think there's a lot of people who were prepared to accept the foibles of the chairman and the, you know some of the, some of his weaknesses for the fact that he's kept a solvent and now looking at it thinking, is it time he sold up? But then you got the question is, can we? Can he sell up? Is there any way that there's no way that anybody could ever buy Barnet Football Club because of the way he's structured everything? So we are now like literally just there is there doesn't seem to be an an option for us like a, a positive option that could really turn the turn the fortunes of this club around. It's it it looks quite desperate. Trevor, on your on your blog, as I said earlier, you've been very measured in this, and I I was yeah just curious. A lot to unpack there from what Mem said, but in general, what are your thoughts around around the chairman and and the club and 
the sort of long-term issues that are there. I think we all know Barnet fans that have stopped going, um, you know, since we moved to the Hive. I don't want to bang on about it every week. Um, but do you feel that, that there's some, some things that need to change there? And yeah, what are your thoughts on that in general? Yeah, I think there's a heck of a lot that needs to change. Last, last year, I think, you know, um, even, well, even you can go back to November the year before when we wasn't quite coming together under, under Darren and it was still a little bit fractured. And then I think roughly around about, I think the time we beat Ebsleet 5-2, it started to come together after that. And you could feel by the time we got to Woking, practically 12 months ago, it was more united. People were on board, people understood, and there was a lot more harmony, I think, around the club. Um, and then I think since then, again, it's been shattered into a million pieces. We went for a manager that no one had anywhere near a shortlist. Um, you know, his name never even came up anywhere close. And since then, it's just people have got, you know, as Mem said, you know, more and more disillusioned with it. Um, I think in in quite a lot of ways, he's been lucky that the hive's been empty this year. There hasn't been people there on the pitch. I think there would have been a lot of displeasure thrown his way. Um, ultimately, he controls everything. The, every buck stops with him. Um, but I, I do think he would benefit so much if he just delegated a little bit towards the side of things, concentrated on carrying on making the hive money, which then subsidises the football club, which gives us a good budget, but have someone that looks after the football side and lets that get, get on with itself because it just, it just seems to get sidetracked in amongst what the hive is. Yeah, and there's there's a lot. That's a very common theme. I think you're spot on there, Trevor. In terms of you know former managers, in particular, saying it's difficult because you know you're managing a group of players, but you're also managing up a little bit. And there's always an element of that in every job. But you know when you're when you're at Barnet, it seems to be something that's quite tricky. And I think one of the things that is at least reassuring about Flowers is whether you like what he says or not. He is a, an independently minded person. You know, you look at some of the managers we've had in the past who perhaps it was their first job or they're quite young or new to the game and may not be as, as confident as those like sort of Tim and Martin in terms of speaking their minds and, and pushing back. Um, I think let's, let's, let's then now sort of move to some of the questions that have cropped up. We've covered a lot of the ground already, but in the final sort of 10 minutes or so, I've got quite a few here. So what I'll do is I'll sort of read them through and, and just we'll sort of answer them in turn and try and summarise a few of them as well. I think let, the first question is a few sort of hypotheticals but if we were to get relegated just just what would that mean um in terms of the club and the future going forwards if we were to get relegated I mean would it would it be a fundamental change do you think there'd be any positives from it do you think it would be a disaster um let's start with Trevor first of all and then we'll go on to you man in a way you could view it as a positive in the fact that we're playing in the south of England for a whole year uh, we might get some larger attendances. We might actually win some games and start bringing people back into the stadium to watch some some winning football. Um, it could have its silver lining from that. But on the negative side of it, it's a damn tough divi division to get out of. Um, you know, even full-time teams in there, Ebbsfleet are, were just outside the playoffs when it got suspended. Maidstone weren't even close. Dorking running away with it. Well, sorry, not running away with it, but top of the league at the time part-time, Dartford, St Albans, both part-time, some very, very good sides in there that I think we would, we wouldn't be as easy as people would think to get back out. If we go down, it could be, um, could be two or three years. Ma'am? I agree, I agree with Trevor because um, it's weird, the weird the way the league goes, most people assume that the best players, you know, gravitate towards the National League. But what happens typically um, is some players get to a point in their life or get to a point where they think to themselves, I could earn 500 quid a week at Barnet, or I could earn 500 quid in a normal job and I could earn another 300 pounds on top of that and go and play in, the, in playing the National League South or North. So you do end up sometimes with actually some really good players in that league, in that step, because they don't want to go full-time and that's and they're getting decent money at semi-pro level. Um, and so we could come... Now, the question is as well is if we go down to the National League South, are we going to go part-time? So if we go part-time, um, is the Hive now a benefit anymore? I don't. I doubt it would be, because if you're only, you know, having sort of had my sort of a brief um, experience of playing semi-pro, um, you play, you train, two, you train two nights a week. 
you know, you play, you train for two hours each night. Um, and you, you essentially get four hours training in a week, in a week. Um, and if you've got a game on a midweek game, you probably only have one training session. So the benefit, the hive suddenly stops becoming a benefit, stops becoming an attraction because it's, you're only semi-pro. I mean, you're going to be going there one, once, twice a week. It's not a daily, you know, a daily job anymore. Uh, and so you could get just stuck down there. You could get stuck down there chasing the same sort of players as everybody else. Um, and I, I worry, I do worry about the fact that fans will just not come back and they, there'll be a core of about four or 500 fans and that'll be it. Yeah, that that would be really, really sad, actually, um, to sort of, you know, be almost like death by a thousand cuts. And I think what Trevor was saying earlier about relegation being, well, this isn't being the icing on the cake. It's it's not a crisis. I think that's the difference, isn't it? If, if people felt that this season was a one-off crisis, you can kind of get behind the return. But it, this feels like version, you know, 10 of the last 20 or 15 years. And it's the one that's come and, and caught us. Um, Jim's asked, as ever, quite a few questions here. I think this one, particularly for Trevor, this is quite an interesting one. Obviously, you've got your your insight as to what's happening with the National League, but to TK, you know, signing players at this stage, what do you think is going through his head? I mean, do you think it is a case that he needs to back flowers to some extent, or do you feel that actually it's a case that he must be really concerned that there's a risk that football continues? We'll go to Trevor uh, first. Yeah, given that he's on the National League board, I'd say there's a concern, but he's. But we haven't been the only one signing players. Chesterfield have picked up another two or three during the last couple of weeks as well. So I think there is a growing concern amongst the National League clubs that the season will continue um, for, for those underneath us, that we need to do something. Kings Lynn have come out and said, it looks like you know they're at least playing their, their next two games. They may carry on after that. That's to me to suggest that they don't want to finish in those bottom three places. They want another year in the National League. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a good chance a few people are getting very twitchy. Ma'am? I don't see. There's a lot of these questions where I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think through these questions in, in a more rational way, but it's very hard not to, to, se to separate that. And he's, I think TK is doing his typical thing. He panics. And then as soon as he panics, all of a sudden, money there's tons of money around um and he's done that in previous seasons where all of a sudden we get players in who like you know you know that are a much much better money than the players in our squad and it's because he panics rather than having you know a plan through the season as trev said earlier director of football type model he that person's responsible for the budget and all that lot john still unfortunately has blown blown any chance of us ever having director of football the amount the contracts he gave out has basically stung TK so much that he will never, ever uh, go to that model again. Um, and at the moment, he's just panicking. I mean, 34-year-old right back. I, so I'm really hoping that all of these are on short-term deals and that at the end of the season, they'll walk on, that, you know, we're not, we're not stuck with a lot of these players. There's, there's been a quite a lot of, of discussion around the, the signings and just looking through about individual players, etc. I think there's two questions here. Trevor, you mentioned the fact that there is just the reality that these players are weak and technically weak, et cetera. But there's also another reality, which is that they have played at somewhat of a higher level. And even though you could say perhaps someone like Wordsworth is coming towards the end of his career, you know, you'd like to think that players like Nugent or whatever have dropped down to sort of, to move back up. And, and, and Jim says here, he was delighted when we saw some of the signings um, and, you know, encouraged. What, what do you think it is? Do you feel that it's sort of like, when individual players, they come here, they seem to be sort of getting worse. So I was just trying to get a sense of why you think that is. Is it, is it the fact that our recruitment is really, really, really poor? Or is it the fact that at the club, we're not doing enough to make the most of those players when they come through the door? Um, where, where does the sort of balance between you on those two things, Trevor? Um, I think recruitment is poor. Um, we don't have a scout. We haven't. Um, you know, speaking to both Darren and Junior, a lot of it was done themselves last year. Um, you know, I, there, there probably might be clubs at our level that are exactly the same. They don't have a scout. But um, again, going back to the lateness of, of, of Beadle being appointed, um, he's not left with very much. Knowing that as well, he's from the Gloucester area. He's not from around London. His knowledge of the scene of the players that were around that we possibly could have picked up was going to be very limited. Um, and I think we missed the boat on so many. Um, we were literally le left with those players that couldn't pick up a club anywhere else. But the first signing of Nugent looked at his pedigree and I thought, well, if that's a sign of things to come, not bad. That's a good start. 
and then we went down the road of um uh was it tyrone tyrone doofus wasn't it yeah um and i know a few people rated elliot richards but then i looked at looked at him as well 32 years old he's coming for a last for, for a last payday for someone who's not played at that level for a few years as well so it just from that point after nugent it went backwards and then nugent turned in the performance he did uh, you know through through uh, many a game and then you think you know we've got this just so wrong again yeah it's, a, it's an interesting point one that rob asks in a couple of questions here he says um you know if you look at clubs like boreham wood um you know shudder to think you, you can look at those clubs and actually you know aside from perhaps that you know chairman's very forthright on certain things not to do with it well that's fine but he you know they've got a very good youth academy they've got a good a good setup they monetize themselves very well and they've got an excellent recruitment i mean i think you struggle to find a club that recruits better than Boreham Wood at our level and the really frustrating thing about that is they are operating in exactly the same catchment area um, as we are you know they, they, and you know, I think they well, they don't know if they are they still part-time Boreham Wood they full-time now I can't quite remember I think it'd be full-time I think, why, no they're full-time that's why Ian Allenson left oh they uh, okay well even so right so they but they you know they built that model men why is it that we don't have that because Rob says you know realistically how many teams is that will have a recruitment department i've always advocated that we should spend more money on stuff like analytics and scouting and why scout and all that sort of stuff but what, what why is it that we recruit so badly i think it's the same reason why we keep going from and somebody else made the point but i think we've, we've made the point before we go from a, a direct manager to a pastor manager to a i don't know what kind of manager in the, in the middle somewhere in the middle and there doesn't seem to be a, it seems to veer from one end to the other um it's you know if you look at the history, if you look at the, the the last the history of all our um, our managerial appointments, and I think that reflects in the recruitment. So you end up the situation where you had, you know, uh, let's go back to you know Rossi wants to play passing game football. Something happens. Mark McGee comes in. I don't know what he was doing trying to do. It was very whatever. Wesley is all about physicality, his game, and then he goes to uh, John Steele. Was it John Steele from after that? It was we had Kevin, uh, like Martin we went to, didn't we? Yeah, Martin. Yeah. Martin, he's one of these players. He's, he, he sometimes can be a bit of a chameleon. He sort of picks, you know, sorts out what he's got and and then tries to fashion a team out of that. And then at some point we've had John Steele, who likes direct football. But then John Steele changed his game to try, suddenly start playing a football, playing football because he realised he had some players he could play. Um, and it it just there doesn't seem to be an identity. So I mean, like you look at one of the most successful clubs in in the country in terms of in terms of uh, continuity and probably Swansea comes to mind because they were in division two at one point and then they've ended up in the premiership. They've gone back to the championship, but there's always been a vision of, and the managers have come in seamlessly come out and the, but the, the progression's always been there. There's always an identity. And I just wonder is the identity comes from the top and it should be, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to be a passing club. We want a club that plays nice football and we are going to, bring in managers that fit our philosophy, which means that if a manager's not doing the job, the next manager comes in, has got a bunch of players who fit the philosophy of the club. And we don't keep having this situation where we're going to bring in a clogger because we, you know, because the next manager wants to play long ball. And then the next manager says, I want to pass the ball and I've got to get rid of the cloggers and now I've got to bring in a passing player. And that's what happens. And the makeup of the, of the recruitment was, was poor and it's still poor because we can't switch to wing backs okay we can't switch in game from a back four to a back three because we've picked we've got ourselves old-fashioned fullbacks in our squad and one of the things that darren curry did have in his squad was he had he had the option of playing with normal fullbacks or he could play with wing backs and it depending on on if if, the, if it wasn't working with a four he could play with back three with wing backs we can't do that as soon as we try and play with three at the back we're playing with a five because we've got two fullbacks who are old school fullbacks and it's that vision of recruitment um and that sort of just there's no linear there's no like joint up thinking it's just stop start stop start the whole time and it's really frustrating and then we go through this every single cycle of a manager so i'm gonna wrap it up with a couple of really short simple questions to finish off on um because there's plenty of stuff to get our teeth into and people listening to get their teeth into so thanks for that um, the first one i'm going to go for a, a yes or a no um and you know you can uh, you can be as honest as you like trevor there's no no biases <laughs> here and it's a it's a good question actually it says um you know if you had the option um of taking mars to come in today 
um, and he was guaranteed to stay until the end of next summer, would you take it, yes or no, and why? Uh, funny enough, last night I would have said, yes, let's get him in and let's let's just cut the dross down from 34 to 20 and get ourselves over the line this year. Um, as a short term, though, only till the summer. I wouldn't take him till the summer after because you know what's going to happen when we're back in the cycle again. Um, but constantly, when everyone comes up with, is Martin the answer? I keep saying no because I want us out of this cycle. Yeah. Ma'am? No. And it's because I don't think he can keep us up this season. We had a much better team and went down out of Division Two. Um, and I think the problem is, is I, I don't want to be planning a season at a time. Again, it goes back to my my answer in the last question is we need uh, to have a long term approach, and we need to find a if we're going to have a manager, we need to have a manager that if the next if that doesn't work, the next manager after that plays a similar brand of football, so we can have some continuity and that we don't have to keep stop stop starting. And we'll finish off with a question which has which have a part two parts to it really. So I mean we've got obviously a run of games coming up. We've got a break on the weekend. So we made a good joke last night that uh, you know Macclesfield will get their first three points of the season on Saturday when they play us. Um, but it is nice I think to have a bit of a break from the depressing gloom of watching watching the bees. Um, but a couple of good questions here about midfield twos and best teams etc. Just uh, let's end up with a specific one for Flowers. If you were if you had Tim Flowers' ear for you know for, for you know, 30 seconds, whenever he's not saying, you know, man up or listen, um, if he was actually listening, what would you say to him? What recommendations would you say on the pitch that need to happen um, with the players we've got? I mean, is there anything obvious that stands out to you in terms of who we play in midfield, who we play at the back, style of football? Um, let's say we can have a maximum of two things we'd say. We'll go to Trevor, Mem, and then we'll wrap up with me. Trevor. I think he needs to go back to three at the back, three centre-halves, play Wordsworth, Dunn and Taylor, across the middle Dunny Axe is your screener for the three your two wing backs I think that way we may actually get something out of games you tried it I know early in the season and abandoned it after about uh, awesome men I would ask I would firstly I would want I want the back four and I want my fir- my my front my forwards, whoever you're going to have, I want them closer. They're too far apart. Okay. I want the distance in sharp by, by keeping the ball better. Um, I want us to play, play a bit more football. Um, and, or if you're going to play long ball, that back four needs to push right up and they're not doing it. They're not quick enough to get up the pit, up the pitch. Um, I would actually, with this squad, actually, it's interesting, actually, quick question. i ask you, Trevor, um, you said about playing wing backs, but who would play wing back? Who can play? Oh, very good question. Um, Judd's engine's good enough for him to play right back. But it's your left-hand side that's causing us the problem and has done all season. So, would Judd, would Judd be a? Um, would Judd be have enough impact in the final third to be a wing back though? Well, considering he only, considering he put our second shot on target <laughs> last night by accident, um, you know, he, he put a bit more in than, than the rest of the front three did, apart from the goal, really. Uh, Again, without seeing what Vaughan can do at right back, we're so limited in options. The other one you're looking at possibly is maybe Dwight Pascal. Can he do? Can he do a, a shift down the up and down the line? I, I don't know. So don't worry, guys. I'm sure we'll have another few fullbacks by the time it comes to the next <laughs> game. <laughs> we could field a team of fullbacks at this rate. Um, go on, man. Final point on on that question. So yeah, no, I was just saying. So I want I would stick with the back four, but what I would suggest is. Um, I don't, I actually, I think that in the three in midfield, I'm not sure about McQueen in there. I know Wordsworth is coming back. I'd have words with Harry Taylor and then I'd probably play, try and play with a, a 10 of some kind and that'd probably be Petrasso. So what I'd uh, have is put maybe Petrasso in the 10 role and then I would have out on the left, uh, Efren, Mason Clark. I would, I would probably bring JJ Hooper out to the right and then I would try um, that new guy, well, after he get after he serves his suspension for that stupid red card, um, Adam Moy and trying him down the centre because he looks like he had a bit more presence about him to actually hold the ball up. So I'd play a four two um, four two three one, and I would encourage the team to pass the ball more and uh, you know play more compact, try and get you know n- get closer between the, the the back four and the striker so that we're not constantly you know trying to chase in big big gaps in the you know on the pitch. Um, and that and squeeze teams that way. Uh, trust the players in possession a bit more. 
Yeah, I think that's just to sum up my ends. I think that's absolutely spot on that you can be, there's a difference between being direct and aimless hoofball. And I think we've got to find that balance. I think it's fine to be direct, particularly on some of the pitch we're playing on at the moment. But, um, you know, when your team is so scattered across the park, I think that's, that's key. I think the, the other thing is um, have a experiment with what you've got. And I think actually, as much as I don't necessarily like the idea of McQueen playing in the field and you want to, you know, you want to be careful about how often you experiment with, with different players. I think it's fair to say that even players like Nugent and, um, you know, I think Ben and Williams, players that have been out the side for quite a while, like there is really no harm in, in, in they haven't, you know, the players we brought in haven't necessarily been better than the ones we've actually um, taken out the side to fit them in with. And I think we need to carry on being flexible until we get to, to what we need to do, um, which is to get some points on the board. Um, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on and not only giving us some great insight into, into Barnet and the National League, but generally for raising the level of con conversation on this podcast. It's been great to have you on. Uh, hopefully we can welcome you back soon. Uh, and Mem, as well as ever, thank you for thank you for your time and your um, relentless optimism. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll be back with you guys probably in about a, a month or so to go through the, the latest uh, five or six defeats. But until then, uh, stay positive And um, we really hope we can see all of you back at the hive very, very soon. Thanks, guys.